Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Catch me up. <laughs> Catch me up without your toe in my butt. So, Brooksy, I think is coming out to visit soon. Please do not put your foot near my taint while you're talking about our children. I just that hot, we have to set rules. I'm just putting it under about, your butt so uh, I don't slip. Wow, where to begin? I never thought back in 2006 when I got my first peek behind the gates of Coda de Gaza that we'd be here. A cast member on the Real Houses of Salt Lake City sitting in the tub with the husband. Seth and Meredith Meth were in the tub. Rubbing on each other's taints as they talk about their kids. Did not think that I'd be here. And to be honest, I was scared. How many people were scared? Me too. I was really, really scared. I was really, really scared like Tyra Banks. I was really, really scared. And this is why I don't think that Meredith, I'm sorry for the vulgar language right off the top of the show, but we're recapping a show where they're sitting in the tub rubbing on each other's taints. So I have to say that I uh, do not believe that Meredith fucked half in New York City. I just don't think it happened because of her tub work. If we put on our detective caps, bring out our monocle, we can do a little recon and see that she does too much bathtub work for her to have the time to be fucking half in New York. It's just not physically possible unless there's some sort of time travel element that I'm not aware of. You know, sometimes the sci-fi elements come into our shows unexpectedly. There's been ghosts on The Real Houses of Beverly Hills, and now I'm thinking maybe there could be some time travel here on Salt Lake City because otherwise there's no way Meredith takes a trip to New York City and is not spending half of that trip in the tub. Now, there is an argument to be made that maybe she's inviting the men into the tub. Maybe they're taking a number and they're uh, getting their turn inside the tub. But I just can't imagine that Meredith is more concerned with fucking half New York than she is with getting her bathtub time. I mean, we all know how important bathtub time is. And actually, not to take a quick detour off the top, but I got to tell you, last night, uh, I'm recording this the day after election day. And so it was election night. Uh, we went to dinner with one of Matt's uh, old friends. And so we get home and I wanted to stay away from social media because it can be overwhelming when you're checking all the results all the time. So I decided to take a bath, but it's been rainy here in Los Angeles. And so I don't know if that had affected our plumbing or what was going on, but I couldn't take a bath because the water wasn't working. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do a self-care shower routine. I got my new philosophy holiday body washes. I bought the whole set off. QVC, the whole set of the holiday body wash. You know, I love the holiday body wash. And I thought peppermint or candy cane. This isn't an ad, by the way. I'm just obsessed with the philosophy holiday body washes. Uh, the I thought the peppermint or the candy cane was my favorite holiday flavor. Turns out they got a Christmas cookie one that is to die for. Ladies, if you want to fuck half New York City, you rub that over your body and you head on the streets of New York. And I guarantee you'll find a man because that cookie, uh, Christmas cookie body wash is fantastic. Best thing ever. I'm obsessed with it now. Anyway, so I thought, okay, I'm going to use that for the first time this season. I'm going to light some candles in the shower. I'm going to do a little face mask and have myself a night. Put on my playlist, uh, my relaxing playlist. And I do that and I light some candles. I throw the towel over the thing. And I was lathering that body wash all over myself and I was in the, in the zone and I was rubbing off the face mask that I put on the shower and it got in my eyes and something started burning. I don't think it was the philosophy. I think it was maybe the face. Anyway, long story short, I went to grab the towel, which was over the thing. And I don't normally light candles in the bathroom and I probably shouldn't ever light a candle because longtime listeners of everything iconic know that back in the day I had a Yankee candle advent calendar fire in my kitchen. So it's not something that I need to be doing, especially bringing into rooms that I've never lit a candle before. Anyway, so the towel gets uh, caught on the flame. And so then, of course, I get out of the shower because I got to get this little mini fire out. And I'm completely soaking wet. I'm completely naked. The lights are off in the bathroom because I thought I'd have a nice candlelit shower with my philosophy body wash. 
And so I'm looking for another towel in the thing, and I slip and fall. Meanwhile, Matt's downstairs with his friend who he hasn't seen and ever. They're catching up because I just left them. I was like, you guys catch up. I'm going to go have my relaxing time, take a nice relaxing shower. I've been binging Alf on Peacock. <laughs> you know, that? remember that alien show from the 80s? I've been binging it on Peacock. It's the best decision I've ever made. I love it. I loved it as a kid. And it was like 1986 to 1990. That's when Alf ran. But I am rewatching it, and it's the best thing ever. Anyway, so I thought, you guys chat. I'm going to go do my relaxing shower thing and watch some Elf. And so then I get another towel to throw a towel. The only thing I could think of when the fire was going was like to get another towel to like throw it over the towel that's on fire. Does that make sense? And I thought it would. It would. Anyway, so then I fall and scrape my whole fucking knee have a big fall, big noise. And then uh, I eventually get the fire out, but Matt comes around upstairs. Like, what's going on? What's all this ruckus up here? And then I'm like, don't worry about it. You know, I was really pissed. I was like, get out of here. I'm naked. You know, like, get out of here. I'm not like Meredith where I'm inviting my significant other in. I'm like, get out of here. We are having a situation. So then I get the fire out. I get out of the shower. I'm in my robe. I'm still trying to get back to my happy place. I'm trying to center myself just before I sit down for Alf. And then uh, Matt and his friend, I hear them talking about me from downstairs. So I go downstairs, I walk down, and I'm like, oh, I'll just get a glass of wine. I'm in my robe. And Matt's friend is like, uh, his name is Jay. And he's like, what was that noise upstairs? And I was like, what do you mean? I, I fell. I fell. He's like, no, I heard a scream. And it turns out people, uh, I'm now learning that when I'm, I'm in a state of disarray, I make a noise that I suppose they were describing this noise that I make as a mix between a Tim Allen grunt, which I often do a Tim Allen grunt impression. You know, he does a huh? Apparently I do a mix of that with like an aggressively uh, stereotypical gay scream. So I do it. They were describing the noise that I made when I fell as something like, like, (laughs) does that make, does that make sense? You guys, that's the best. And I don't even know if that's accurate, but apparently that's what Matt and Jay were telling me that that was the noise I made. And Matt's like, oh yeah, he always does that when he's like that. Or he always does that when something happens. And I'm like, I don't do that. And then turns out I think I do because there was another witness. Anyway, we got the fire out. Uh, and it's uh, my own fault because the bathtub, I couldn't do a normal bath, so I had to do a relaxing self-care in the shower. And you can't just do a self-care night in the shower. you got to have a bath. So Meredith knows what she's talking about, but uh, she's always doing that bathtub work. Last season, I thought after that scene at the vacation house that she wouldn't do so much bath work because she was in that tub for three fucking hours last year. And now she's spending a whole other scene here. And I don't love – I'm sorry – I I support, I want to come out loud and proud and say that I support butt play. Whatever you want to do in the sack or in your privacy of your own home, you do. I support that. Butt play, ladies, am I right? Do it. Enjoy it. It's uh, fun times, good times, even. So I want to come out loud and proud and say that. I certainly am not trying to kink shame. I'm just saying that on The Real House of Salt Lake City, I'm not sure that I need to be seeing two of the cast members doing the butt play on TV rubbing on each other's taints as they're talking about their kids. Not sure I need to hear that. Not sure I need to see that. And so I'm not sure where we could draw the line. I mean, I would be worried too because Whitney's Whitney Wild Rose's husband, he got fired for doing that naked painting scene. And now Meredith and Seth, Meth are leaning into this butt play on the bathtub. And I'm concerned about Seth's jobs. I know Lisa Barlow said he can't hold down a job and she fucks half New York City and she's garbage whore. But I worry that Seth's bosses, his leaderships, I'm not sure who he reports to, but I would be concerned that they might bring him into the office one day and say, hey, Seth, we saw that scene of you on The Real House of Salt Lake City where your wife was rubbing around on your taint, and you were talking about your son, Brooksy, calling him Brooksy. They weren't even calling him Brooks. They were like, Brooksy's coming home soon. And I just thought, poor Brooks is watching this show. Do you think Brooks needs to see that either? I mean, here I am talking about the work and Seth's uh, bosses, but I'd be really concerned with Brooks watching this program. Because if I had to see my parents doing this, I mean, I can't. I can't do it. I would be, uh, I can't.
it would be unacceptable. And so Meredith and Seth, Meth, you just maybe need to regroup for next season. And I love that you guys have come together and rekindled the flame because we saw in season one, remember they were on the brink of divorce or on the brink of separation. And so now they're in the tub together and that's a beautiful thing, doing the butt play again. We support that. But it's just maybe something we don't need to do on camera. And maybe that's me. Maybe I just need to regroup and I need to get over my own issue with that. But it just seems that's not what I signed up for. It's not what I signed up for. Anyway, let's go back. We're already 10 minutes in. You guys, by the way, I always talk about my notes on the show because I take copious notes when I'm watching these shows. But normally, an episode of The Real House Size, I do about a page and a half of notes, right? It's just chicken scratch. I write just random stuff. Like for this episode, it just says uh, five people in choir line doing jumping jacks. And so those are the kind of notes that I take. But normally, an episode of The House Size, about a page and a half of notes, right? A good episode of The Real House Size. So at Beverly Hills or Potomac or Atlanta, whatever franchise in New York back in the day, in the heyday, a good episode would be about two pages of notes. And so here on The Real House of Salt Lake City, you guys, we're at two and a half pages. Girl? Two and a half pages. I mean, Salt Lake City, every week, I feel like I'm doing two and a half, three pages because so much shit is happening. And we often talk about this word camp. What's camp? Is this camp? And I think this season of The Real House of Salt Lake City is camp. I mean, we everything is so insane. I thought I was coming in, tuning into a, a, a drama, a legal drama about Jen Shaw possibly going away. I, I thought that's what they were going to lean into this season. And it turns out uh, when we think they're going to zig, they zag. And we're getting a whole season about uh, rubbing on each other's taints and bathtubs and choir auditions. And I mean, it's truly absurd and insane. And I love every second of it. But it's just not what I expected. It's like when you bought a ticket to Don't Worry Darling. We all bought a ticket thinking we were going to get a Harry Styles 1950s costume drama. And it turns out we got whatever the fuck that was. I just watched it the other night, and I'm not sure how to explain it. But it wasn't what I thought I was signing up for. I did actually like it, but I don't know what the fuck happened. If you were trying to <laughs> – if I was on Jeopardy or some shit, and they were like, what happened in Don't Worry Darling? I'd be like, I don't fucking know, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it, and I will probably never watch it again. And I couldn't tell you a lick of what happened. And there were certain points where I got to be honest that I did leave the room, get some snacks while it kept playing. I did not pause it. Yet when I'm watching an episode of ALF and I go to the other room, I will pause it. So that's on me. <laughs> that is something I will do when watching ALF. But when it comes to Don't Worry Darling, I still I don't know what happened. I couldn't explain none of it. Watch it on HBO Max and I definitely enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. I thought it was good. It was well written and I thought it was beautifully shot. And uh, yeah. Yeah, that was it. Anyway, what are we talking about here? Let's go back to Salt Lake City. Got so many notes here. And we're going to talk about Potomac at the end. Oh, and I do want to say this one little thing about a programming update about Everything Iconic. So I got some great interviews coming. I'm super excited. But as we lean into the holiday season and we head into the holiday season, the recap schedule is going to be a little off. So we're going to keep trying to cover Salt Lake City and Potomac. We're going to do our best here at Everything Iconic. But of course, with we got Thanksgiving. I have My parents are coming to town. Linda and Gary are coming for Thanksgiving this year. Super excited about that. But it's going to be hectic with Thanksgiving, then it's Christmas, and so the schedule might be off. When I can't do the recaps, I will definitely try to have an interview episode out. Those are a little bit more flexible for me because I can record them earlier and then release them. So I will do my best to continue all of these recaps. But don't yell at me if we miss one here or there. I know we missed Potomac last week, but I got some great interviews, and I am going to keep up as best as I can. Just want to say that so people don't yell at me. I know people yell at me anyway, but anyway, let's move on. Salt Lake City. We open with Angie and Whitney. Whitney Wildrose in those dollar store leotard outfits, according to Jen Shaw, and they're practicing what I can only describe as a great gardens routine. They are just, they got the top hats. Stupid looking hat. By the way, that's Alf. <laughs> I put Alf on the soundboard because I was watching this episode. Whitney and Angie, they got those stupid looking hats. And then Jen Shaw, I don't even believe we've ever talked about that tiny hat she wears in the confessional. Stupid looking hat. And so when Alf said that on the episode I was watching, it said, stupid looking hat, I thought, you know what? That's going on the soundboard. Because I'm watching this in the top hats. But what are Angie and Whitney doing? And what is happening? And just in general, what? What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? What's going on? If they're doing an audition. And I don't know if this is like a backdoor pilot for a Bravo version of American Idol, but I'm not exactly sure what's happening. But I am living... 
I'm living for it. I don't know these outfits. I don't know this routine. Also, I don't understand how Whitney, I mean, I don't understand Whitney in general. And that's a, a something that I'm really having to reckon with this season. It's like, I don't understand all the things that she's saying and doing. And I just feel like I'm watching like a bizarro version of a housewife every time she's on screen. Like, I don't understand. I can't imagine her brain. Like, that's the thing that I find. I think I'm a good judge of character. And I think I... I have a lot of self-awareness, and so I feel like, and maybe I don't, right? Maybe I don't. But I feel like when I'm watching, I can at least understand where they're coming from. And that's what I love about watching Housewives is the psychology of what they're doing, why they're making the choices that they're making. And yet I'm watching Whitney Wilde Rose this season, and I just feel like I can't get a grip. Like, my equilibrium's off, and I can't quite find my footing every time she's talking about literally anything. So when she's practicing to do her when the Saints go marching in routine, she is uh, with Angie and she didn't know that Angie's husband started that Instagram account, which like, I know we already talked about that, but like, what the fuck is this grown man starting Instagram accounts about? And then Angie tried to deny it later. I mean, it's all so fucked up, but they're trying to practice this uh, routine in these outfits and Whitney doesn't know about it. And I just don't even understand Whitney's allegiances. She seems to have an allegiance to Lisa Barlow at this point in the season. But also, I think Whitney and Lisa do still hate each other. So even though they've decided to maybe put aside their differences and come together this season, it's still very clear to me, just in like the body language and that scene where they were playing basketball with the kids and the fudge college kid, I think that it's clear that they hate each other. It's like when I'm watching Juan and Robin on The Real House of Potomac. It's like they are saying they're getting married and that they love each other, but I'm not getting that feeling as I'm watching it. And so that's what I feel with Lisa and Whitney is like, I don't get a feeling that you two like each other, particularly on Lisa's end. I think Lisa definitely despises Whitney Wildrose. And maybe Whitney's trying, but it's clear to me that Lisa, as soon as this season's over and she needs to realign herself, I think Lisa's going to move on and Whitney Wild Rose is going to be left in the dirt. So I don't understand why she's riding so hard for Lisa and then pretending certain things she knows so much about and then other things she doesn't know. And I hate to be so hard on Whitney Wild Rose because I do love, I do love my Whitney Wild Rose. And one of the things that I am appreciating is that I can't understand any of these allegiances because they're coming and going. We're seeing Jen Shaw turn on Heather Gay, which like, what the fuck? Did not expect that. And now it seems like Whitney's maybe turning on Angie Kay, even though the most absurd thing is that she's turning on her in real time in the matching outfit as her. I mean, what is happening? Meanwhile, Angie Kay and Dana are over there just auditioning for this show still. I <laughs> know. Those two other women, <laughs> the other Angie, and is it Dana or it's D- Dana, right? Not Dana. I I hope I didn't get that wrong. If I did, so be it. Anyway, uh, Dana and Angie, is it K or H? Now I'm mixing up the H and the K. Angie K. Angie H is Sarah Paulson. So Sarah Paulson, which some of you pointed out, she also looks like Elizabeth Perkins from Weeds. And I see that. It's like Angie H. Wait, now I'm mixing up the H and the K. This is a real clusterfuck, this show. Took all these notes, and I can't even keep the fucking Angie straight. That's why these notes are so long. They just say Angie a hundred times. I can't keep it all straight. It's a tough gig. This is a tough gig. This is a tough job. Someone's got to do it. Anyway, I think that Angie, the other Angie that we have just met this season and the Dana, I don't believe they had a spot lined up in this show. I think that Bravo was doing like, here's an audition, but we're going to film it. And maybe by the end of the season, we'll have some answers, right? And that happens oftentimes with Housewives. Sometimes people are getting demoted and they film a lot and then they get upgraded or something. But I think this season more than ever with the other Angie and Dana, I think that this was like a full on-camera audition, much like how we're doing the choir auditions with Heather Gay's uh, choir services. I think that's what we're doing with this Angie and Dana. And to be honest, I think Angie is stepping up more than Dana. And I would like Dana to really step it up because Angie, it looks like next week, maybe it gets into uh, Dana stepping it up. But right now, Angie is seemingly, she's going after Angie H on behalf of Lisa. Like she's given us something. She's being a little messy. And so I, it's fascinating to watch. I mean, that's the real show. It's just figuring out these women competing to be on the cast, all the fucking Angies and the Danas and, I mean, it's interesting. It's interesting. And then Angie's lying about whether or not the husband opened up the fake account. She's like, I have never opened up a fake account. And meanwhile, everyone's like, girl, you're lying. Girl? Girl. (laughs) Girl. 
you're lying. Your husband did. And then the Angie points out that, and this is so confusing with all these Angies, you guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Angie points out that the Sarah Paulson character liked the comment on the husband's Finsta account within 30 seconds. Angie and the husband are a big old hot mess. A big old hot mess. And they very clearly want to be on this show. And I like them on the show as the side characters, but I worry that I thought earlier this season maybe we would want an Angie to be a full-time snowflake holder. And now I'm starting to rethink that because I'm getting like kind of like too thirsty of vibes. You know, that happens with like the Kims on Jersey where you think, uh-oh, this is too much. Oh, speaking of Jersey, I just put out an interview with Teresa Giudice on the Everything Iconic podcast feed. So you can listen to that. The Countess Luann episode, you guys, last week. Did you listen to that? A lot of the press outlets picked up how Luann really went hard on Bethany's new podcast. I mean, I was not expecting that. I essentially broke the news to Countess Luann, although I think she had some idea of it. And what I think people are not picking up on is the fact at the end of the interview that I did with Countess Luann, she revealed that she made out with Hugh Grant back in 2002, which, if I'm doing the math correctly, that's when she was still married to the Count. And I pushed her on. I said, what era of Hugh Grant was this? When she said that she had a little dalliance with Hugh Grant. I said, what era? Now, it's always been alleged on the show that her and the Count had an open thing. But I feel like people are missing that. People are missing that. And so I just, uh, I feel like we all need to talk about that. Anyway, the Teresa interviews out on the podcast feed as well. Also on that episode, I interviewed the Colpo sisters. You know, Olivia Colpo, she's like a beauty queen, she's an influencer. Her and the sisters got a new show on TLC or something. And so they're on that episode too. Olivia Colpo dated Nick Jonas. Woo. Woo. Anyway, uh, let's get back to Salt Lake City. What were we talking about? Oh, this, I mean, this whole audition thing. The people in line doing the jumping jacks, and it's crazy. It's all fucking nuts. It's all, Jen confronts Angie outside. She's still got the bullhorn or whatever you call that thing. Whitney turns on Angie in real time in the matching outfit. Jen tells Angie to shut up. And uh, Jen says uh, to Angie H, maybe I'm HK, to Sarah Paulson, she says, I am responsible for what Sharif does and vice versa. So you're responsible for what your husband does in creating the Instagram accounts and coming after people. And then Angie says, she says, so is Sharif responsible for your legal stuff? Oh, I couldn't believe Angie said that. Jen says, I'm innocent. And then of course they play the background music over her and they're like saying, the producers and the editors are saying, she's lying. <laughs> I mean, every episode, Jen Shaw is saying, I'm innocent. But also, it's like, then we move on. This is such a huge storyline, and we just move on so quickly. Meanwhile, inside, some guy is singing Amazing Grace, and uh, Heather's assistant has to, like, bring her outside. He's like, we got to stop this. Heather, you need to go outside. They're arguing. And I wonder if this ever happened on the set of American Idol. Paula Abdul had to leave because some contestants were arguing about creating Finsta accounts. And so I don't know, but this is insanity. And I wish that would be American Idol. I'd tune into American Idol if I got to see people fighting and judges going outside and Seacrest bringing people out. I mean, I would watch it. I would watch it again. I watched those first 10 seasons of American Idol, and now I don't tune in anymore because I miss Paula too much. It's like it's unacceptable to not have Paula Abdul. It's honestly just gross. It's just gross. The fact that ABC rebooted American Idol with Seacrest – but without Paula, Randy, and Simon, I'm I'm not okay with that. I'm just I, and I maybe we've discussed this before, but it's honestly disgusting to me. And I will not. It's I'm going to get sick over it. I'm going to get sick over it. And the fact that they haven't brought those judges back, I'm sorry. Ugh, I maybe people out there like the new judging panel. It's not for me. And uh, Paula Abdul was a gem. Simon Cowell. That's what we need on television. Randy, what's up, dog? Or what was he? That's a no for me, dog. Those were the days. That's talent. Those were the real talents. And nowadays, all these singing competitions, they bring in the superstar judges on The Voice and on American Idol and stuff like that. I don't want to see the superstar judges. The superstar judges that I grew up with were Randy, Paula, and Simon. And uh, I'm disgusted. All this nostalgia and you can't bring back Randy, Paula, and Simon to do the jobs that they were put on God's green earth to do? Unacceptable, ABC. You need to cool it, ABC. ABC, I'm fine. You keep Seacrest. Bring back Dunkelman. Uh, I've had too much caffeine. What are we doing? Where are we? Let's take a break. 
I need to take a break. I need to go relax. I need to take a chill pill. Stupid looking hat. Uh, let's take a break here. I want to thank ACAST. Find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter, Instagram. You can get a signed copy of my book at everythingiconic.store. Uh, and we'll be right and we'll be right back. I think I'll have a Chardonnay. Look, the weather's getting warmer. You got to ditch the jackets, the sweaters, and you got to put on some shorts and tees. And if you're anything like me, you hate getting all the new stuff. But luckily, I've found Quince, and Quince makes it so easy uh, to get clothes. I used to waste my money on clothes that would only last one season. That was until I found out about Quince. Now I've got high-quality pieces that never go out of style that I'll be wearing year after year. Quince has all of the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos. Those are my personal favorite. I always love getting new polos for the summertime, and they have a fantastic selection. I'm very particular about the collar, and I love the collar on the performance polos that I got. They also have versatile flow-knit activewear, and the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to all of us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes, which I love. Feel good about shopping with them. Now, again, I got those polos, but I also got some shorts, some t-shirts, just some basics that I can wear year-round. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to Quince.com slash iconic for free shipping on your order and 300 65 day returns. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash iconic to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash iconic. Ah, I love that sound, don't you? And that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Uh, we use it here at Everything Iconic. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, no matter how big you grow. I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache, but Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash everything iconic. All right, I'm sure a lot of you out there can relate because every time there's a commercial break and I'm watching one of my shows, I'm always hopping on the Redfin app or website because I just want to check out real estate listings. Like I love checking out real estate listings, even for the houses that I cannot afford. It's my favorite app to use Redfin. Uh, I just got a home, of course, but it was pretty stressful process. And if I would have known how easy Redfin was, I think it would have helped out a lot. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations. So finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. See something you like? Well, book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process, making it so easy. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents with a listing fee as low as 1%. Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards your next home. Now, that's a great thing. I love using Redfin. I love checking out. If you're buying or selling a home and you need some help with that, check out Redfin. Download the Redfin app to get started. And we're back. Let's catch up. Catch me up without your toe in my butt. Okay, so Lisa shows up at the choir auditions. It's so chaotic. Now, we're at the Utah Arts Alliance, which is across the street from a spaghetti factory. What was that restaurant across the street? So all this is happening. Across from a spaghetti factory, and it's auditioning, and Lisa says, I'm here for the audition. I want to support Heather Gay and her mission of spirituality in her own way, she says in the microphone before she sings, Away in a Manger. And she sounded amazing. 
Did anyone else feel like she sounded amazing? I was like, put out an album. Let's get a whole Christmas album. I talked to Countess Luann about doing a whole Christmas album. I need Lisa Barlow to do a whole Christmas album with this rendition of Away in a Manger recorded on my Spotify because it was too good. It was honestly amazing and uh, crazy, but amazing. And she did the whole thing. And I felt bad for the other people, uh, contestants, auditioners who had to do royalty-free songs because we know on The Real Housewives, they, they're not going to uh, fork over the money for a song by Ariana Grande. So they're all going to have to sing Amazing Grace, Away in a Manger. They're going to have to see, sing these things. But Lisa Barlow was like, bam! She, bam! She knew that song front to back. She even said at the end, she's like, did I get the lyrics right? And I was like, you did, I think. I don't even know those lyrics. And I grew up going to Catholic school, and I remember singing that hymnal. And she added, again, I said this last week, but she added like a little bit of a uh, R&B sexual undertone to the religious hymnal away in manger. And I support that always, always adding something to it, adding a little spice. That's what I learned from watching all those years of American Idol. It's got to make it your own. Simon, Kyle, Randy, and Paula taught me that. Make the song your own, otherwise you're getting cut. We all saw what happened. Remember when uh, it was Latoya, Fantasia, and Jennifer Hudson? Can't keep them all. So the, the, you, to survive, you got to make the songs your own. That was devastating in my life, by the way, when Jennifer Hudson went home and then when Latoya London went home, thank God Fantasia won that season. But what a devastating, that was a tough year for Dan. It was a tough year for Danny because it was tough. Where were we? Okay, so then they all decide to go and discuss all their problems with each other in the lobby of the Utah Arts Center. And so they sit down, Angie uh, sits on Heather's lap, and this is when Jen starts to get really mad at Heather because she's seemingly siding with Angie. Although the thing I think about Heather Gay is she's just a very forgiving person, and that's the thing I've realized when it comes to Jen Shaw. And I think most of us, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I think most people aren't as forgiving. And Heather Gay just has this thing, and it really reminds me, and maybe I mentioned this before too, but it reminds me of my grandmother. My grandmother would always find the good in everyone. She would just assume good. And if somebody did something wrong, she'd easily forgive them. She, my grandmother was like super religious uh, and she just forgave everyone. She would never stay mad at something. And I'm not sure that that's the right way to be. I'm not saying that's a good thing always, but I feel like Heather Gay really has that where she's like, yeah, Jen Shaw fucked up. Yeah. Angie fucked up or the husband fucked up creating an Instagram account called Shaw exposed going after Lisa Barlow. But Heather's like, she for, she apologized for it, or he apologized to Jen for it, so we move on. And there is something to be said. It's like, when somebody fucks up, they apologize, and then we have to forgive them, right? And it's not always that cut and dry. But I do see that in Heather now, and it's something that I don't think I understood last season when she was supporting Jen Shaw throughout everything. And now I just am seeing the way she's doing this with Angie. But then Jen turns on her, and the thing that I want to say to Jen Shaw is like, She's just doing to Angie what she did to you when it comes to your legal drama. She is forgiving, and she understands that Angie fucked up, but Angie's husband apologized. But I don't know that I'd forgive the husband, because that's just really fucked up. I would maybe forgive them, but I don't know that I'd be friends with the husband, someone who did something like that, because it's it's really fucked up. I mean, that is a 52-year-old man. He is a 52-year-old man. Not that anyone at any age should be creating Finsta accounts and going after people and calling their Finstas shy exposed. Like, get a job. Stay away from her. What are you doing? It's so weird. So I think I would maybe be like, okay, he for, he asked for forgiveness. And okay, bye. Like, that's what I'd say. Okay, bye. Bye, girl. Girl? Anyway, Meredith is looking around during the scene at the Utah Arts, Arts Center across from the Spaghetti Factory. And you can see in her eyes, and this is another game that I think we should all play every episode of The Real House of Salt Lake City, is to watch Meredith's face, Meredith Marks, because, again, she believes that she signed up for a real house size of Beverly Hills, where we're wealthy and where we're doing glam and fashions. And she's looking at the Real House Size franchise the way that I think it was conceived as, again, a look behind the gates of Dakota de Casa, a look into a wealthy a group of women. And she looks around every episode and you could see on her face, she gets this look of fear in her eyes where she thinks, what, where the fuck am I? Where am I? Who are these people? Because she's sitting in the lobby of the Utah art center across from the spaghetti factory, spaghetti warehouse, whatever the fuck that was called. And she is realizing that uh, in real time across from the chain restaurant 
in the lobby of the Utah Arts Center after the choir auditions where five people showed up and one of the cast members is possibly going to jail. She's looking around and thinking, how did I get here? Where am I? And it's the look of fear in her eyes. And she had that look a couple weeks ago when she sat down with that husband of 52-year-olds who... Uh, who decided to create a Finsta account called Shaw Exposed, Meredith Marks had that same look of fear in her eyes. A look of God. It's like she has that That's So Raven look where she has this flash. Uh, she has this psychic moment where she thinks like, what the fuck, how did I get here? What the fuck, how did I get here? Which psychic moment, speaking of, not that this is psychic, but uh, Kat Locke, who's a friend of the show, she sent me, uh, she did a reading for me online. She does readings online. Her name's Kat Locke, and she just sent me one. And sometimes I think astrology, like I don't believe in it. And then she sends me readings sometimes. I'm like, oh yeah, I believe in all of this. So she sent me a reading for next year. So I just want to quickly shout her out because she's great. We love her. And if you're interested in that kind of stuff, she you just send her your, like your birth dates and stuff. And Catlock, Catlock, look her up on Instagram. Anyway, so Meredith is always looking around like, what the fuck is going on? Who, where the fuck am I? Who the fuck is this? What the fuck is going on? How did I fucking get here? Like, that's Meredith's inner monologue. I would love to get in the side of that head, inside of that head. So then we have that scene where meth are in the bathtub. And I just wrote in my notes what is even happening. Seth has gone four days twice a month. This is when he wants to get the toe out of the butt. Catch me up without your toe in my butt. They talk about the children's. And, oh, this is interesting. I wrote this in my notes. Now, I've been saying that I miss Mary. I do miss our dear Mary Cosby. I miss her. I can't. I got to be honest with you. I miss her. However, in defense of Bravo production in this cast, I think, this is going to be a controversial, bold statement, but I believe that Mary's presence this season would push our chaos level over the edge. I don't know that we would be able to handle Mary's presence this season. Because certainly in seasons prior, we had a lot going on, and Mary's presence added to the chaotic nature of the program. But this season, with the choir auditions, with meth in the bathtub, with everything that we've seen, the husband going after the uh, shot exposed, and I mean, there's just... I. There's too much. And Mary Cosby's presence would, we wouldn't be able to handle it because oftentimes I watch the show and I, I've said it a hundred times this episode, what the fuck is going on? And so if Mary was on this show, just imagining the things that Mary would do, remember Mary's presence was chaos incarnate. Is that a word? That's a word, right? That, so she couldn't, we couldn't handle it. We would all explode. The show would implode. They had to, give her a season off because there's no way we could handle the chaos. It would be too much. So that's what I really understood when I was watching the meth in the tub rubbing on each other's taints. So then, okay, we cut to Heather and the business partner. The business partner, I wonder if she was auditioning to be on the show too, because Dre, the business partner, I forgot about Dre, Dr. Dre and Eminem. I forgot about Dre and it seems like she's showing up every week. And so I'm wondering if she was trying out for the show. And then ultimately they were just like, no, you could do the scenes with Heather, but get out of here. So her and Heather are open up a new location for Beauty Lab and Laser. Now I want them to expand to LA because I want to go to the Beauty Lab and Laser. I haven't been to Salt Lake City, but I want to go get some treatments there. I need some self-care. Again, I told you my bathtub ain't working. So I need to go to the Beauty Lab and Laser to get some facials or something. And I want them to open up here in California. I'm happy they're expanding. And I. it seems like they're building from the ground up. I'm happy that the business is exploding. Then we have Lisa and the husband, John, at the restaurant. They order Vita tequila, and the waiter doesn't know who they are. <laughs> Lisa's like, I don't think he knows who we are. The waiter doesn't know that we own Vita tequila. And then meanwhile, Lisa gave John his lines. Every scene that Lisa does with the husband... I want us all to watch this. She always very, very clearly coaches him on his lines, what he's going to say, all of that. And it certainly happened in this episode because I was just watching. He said something like, how does it affect you in regards to Lisa's sister's divorce or one of the divorces in the family? And I was like, there's no way John was like, let's sit down for dinner. And I'm going to ask you questions like, how does that affect you? I'm sorry, but men don't do that. It's just doesn't. I hate to stereotype her. It's just not happening. John, the first question when you sit down for dinner and have a Vita tequila, then you, all of a sudden you say to your wife, how does that affect you? I mean, that's a very enlightened question. And maybe John's more enlightened than I understand. But I don't believe it. 
And so when he says, and he said in that one confessional, the first season, the producers asked him, like, did Lisa tell you to say that? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> so I believe that's been happening ever since. I don't think there's one scene that that beady-eyed man is on that he's not doing lines that Lisa told him to do. He does look like Mike White. Is anyone watching The White Lotus? I'm loving The White Lotus season two. Ah, I love it. Makes me want to go to Italy. The people are also hot. The costuming's great. If you're not watching it, it's good. It's good, and I got a chance to see the first five. So, uh, no spoilers, but it's just good, and it gets better and better. Oh, it's so good. But anyway, the creator of that show is Mike White, who was also on Survivor. He created the show Enlightened, which is fantastic. But I think John, the husband, sort of looks like the brother of Mike White. They both got those eyes, something about the eyes. So John is asking about the sister, and then Lisa's crying about her relationship with God. She says, I'm very important to God, and I like very, I feel like I'm usually connected, and so I don't feel like me when I'm not in that space. So she's concerned about her relationship with God. Now, I have some conspiracy theories about this, and I could be totally off base, but you know how she's butting up to Whitney? This might make, you guys might think I'm crazy. You might think I'm crazy, but I'm going to tell you, because I've got to be honest. We're here to live our truths. I think that Lisa decided to have her friendship with Whitney, and she knew that Whitney's leaving the church, and part of Whitney's storyline is that she's leaving the church. She had to get the notary to let her go from the church, the Mormon church. So I believe that Lisa Barlow was like, well, I can't be friends with Whitney on this show. The Mormons would get mad. Wouldn't the Mormon church get mad at Lisa Barlow for butting up to Whitney, who's publicly leaving the church and kind of bad-mouthing it a little bit, or a lot? And so Lisa was like, okay, well, then in to balance that, in order for me to have the friendship with Whitney Wild Rose, I'm going to have to balance it by saying I'm ha- having this spiritual thing with God that I need to reconnect with him or reconnect with her Mormonism. And so maybe that's, uh, maybe that's me being conspiracy theorist, but I believe that Lisa's making this up. And I love her for it. I love Lisa Barlow. I do. I love her. Anyway, then we cut to, uh, cut to Jen and Coach Shaw. She lost her whole fucking voice. She lost, lost the whole voice because of that choir audition with the bullhorn. And she says this is what I, she was born to do. She wants to be the Polynesian Ryan Seacrest. And Coach Shaw says, you're like the Regina Seacrest. And she's like, what? <laughs> she, she didn't understand. I think she questioned in that confessional with that tiny hat. She's like, I didn't get it. Stupid looking hat. And so she she didn't get it. She didn't get it. But she should be the next Seacrest. I'd like to see her hosting with Kelly Ripa. Honestly, that'd be a dynamic duo. I would love to see just Jen Shaw co-hosting with our queen, Kelly Ripa. I would love to see that duo. If the Today Show can have Hoda and uh, Hoda and Jenna or Hoda and Savannah hosting together, we need two women on live. I'd like to see two women hosting on live. Live with Kelly and Jen Shaw. Or Kelly and Regina Seacrest. That's what I'd watch. Everything's so American Idol's focused this episode. I feel like we're really talking about the Idol universe with Seacrest and Randy, Paul, and Simon. Should we talk about Ryan Starr for a couple minutes? No, you guys don't know who that is, do you? Ryan Starr, remember her? Season one. Okay, where are we at here? Coach asks who auditioned, and we're acting like this was American Idol, because he's like, who auditioned for the choir? I'm like, Coach, you don't care who auditioned for the choir. There were five people there doing jumping jacks, singing Amazing Grace. I don't know if we need to talk about them. But then, I mean, God bless him. We should get one of them on the show. That guy who sang Amazing Grace was good. He was good, and so we support him. I just want to shout out to him. All the people that were auditioning, shout out to all of them. Love you all. You were stars, and I'd turn my chair for all of you. Okay, so then Heather sent Jen flowers and said she understands, and Heather uh, just said she, I guess it was an apology flowers, was it? Anyway, Coach is encouraging Jen to move on from Heather. That's what I gathered from this. It was like he was saying, well, if this is a friendship that you don't need in your life, you need to move on. And I was like, Coach, uh, Heather's been the most loyal to Jen. So I just don't understand this. I I think it's absurd. Then we cut to the scene with Lisa and Henry playing basketball in Fudge College. Fudge College, honestly. Not sure when Lisa Barlow became a WNBA player, but I'm into it. I just rewatched Love and Basketball, one of my all-time favorite movies the other day. So I'm in the basketball mode. So when Whitney arrived with her son, Brooks, who I forgot existed, I know Whitney's kids, I don't know what it is, but I just kind of forget they, the daughter's been in a bunch of scenes, but every time Whitney's kids show up, I'm like, who's that? 
I'm like, who is that person? I, like, I didn't, I know we've seen the son before, but did anyone else forget he existed? And so when Brooks showed up on camera, I'm like, who is this? And then, okay, so they edited it like a sports game. I felt like I was watching ESPN because they edited this whole scene of them playing basketball, playing two on two. And then they send the boys off on these scooters. And I got to talk about this for at least 45 minutes because the Bravo production uh, put GoPros on their scooters and they were, I, I, why did they put the GoPros on the scooters? Was it them? Maybe they just had their own GoPros on the scooter, but I believe that Bravo took the time to put a GoPro on Brooks and the other ones, uh, scooters. Because if you notice that scene, they had the cameras set up and like what footage that they think we're going to get of those two riding their scooters around Utah. Did we need <laughs> like, did production or the camera people, do they sit and say, Hey, we should, we should uh, load up their scooters with equipment so that we get the footage. We don't want to miss out on that. And I thought, did we, what was that about? What was that decision? Maybe it was from Bravo HQ. Maybe Andy called in and was like, are you filming with the boys? Make sure you put GoPros on the scooters. We need to watch that happen live because otherwise I don't understand whose decision it was to put GoPros on those boys scooters because what footage did we think we were getting? And then uh, to that, again, I say, this is a show with the woman who's possibly going to jail for defrauding the elderly or bamboozling the elderly, allegedly. And yet we're putting GoPros on these young boys' scooters, and I'm just not sure that we need that footage. I just feel like we should put the GoPro on Jen Shah at this point. Let's get it on her and Coach Sharif, because I don't need the GoPro footage of uh, Brooks riding around Utah on a gloomy day. It's just not something that I don't think anyone needs to watch. Maybe put a GoPro literally anywhere else. I think I'd rather have the GoPro on Meth's uh, bathtub because at least more is happening in there than the two boys running around on them scooters in a gloomy day in Utah. Just is not, I don't get it. And maybe I'm missing, maybe the only other thing explanation I can see for it is that maybe those boys got GoPros for Christmas or something and they were their own personal GoPros. But I just, I don't believe that. I think someone at Bravo HQ, they said, hey, Put on, put cameras. We might need that footage. <laughs> Maybe they thought Lisa and Whitney were going to ride around the scooters. And then the boys took them. I, there has to be some explanation because it doesn't make no sense. No fucking sense. Nothing on this show makes any fucking sense, though. So why am I trying to figure it out? I feel like, what was that Nickelodeon show? Figure it out. I can't figure it out, Summer Sanders. I don't understand what's happening. Uh, anyways, Lisa um, and Whitney, they talk about how they... Uh, Lisa says she's disconnected from the church. Whitney says she's the primary breadwinner now. And Lisa says she uh, felt sorry for the people who don't like her in the group who raised their hands earlier. They, When they were all sitting around that Utah Arts, Art Center across from the Spaghetti Company, Lisa or Heather had said, who in this group is hates Lisa? Raise your hand. And so Lisa said she felt sorry for anyone who raised their hands. And I do too, because I love Lee. I would have not raised my hand. Also, did you notice Meredith didn't raise her hand back in that scene? Mm-hmm. I saw that. I saw that. Stupid-looking hat! Okay, so then... <laughs> then Lisa... Uh, said, Whitney says, I feel like you and I have a lot more in common than we realize because I take things on, and I'm noticing you take things on, and this is all a big lie. They don't have anything in common. They hate each other. But Whitney's inside of her brain is so fascinating to me. Then we cut to Heather's house. Okay. 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 If you're driving, pull over. We go to uh, Heather Gay's house. Now, they've been doing this thing on the show where they're interstitials in between the scenes. You know, we get all those snowy shouts of the, uh, shots of the mountains, and we get the choir singing. And on Potomac, they're doing all those shots of the flowers blooming and all that shit. And I, it's supposed to be metaphorical, I get it. But on Potomac, they're doing way too much of it. That's neither here nor there. But the point is, on Salt Lake City... We're getting these now close-up shots as we're entering into these scenes. We're getting this close-up shot of Heather Gay's house, and they do a, a close-up shot of a magnet that says, Good Time Girl, and it's like a cartoon image of Heather Gay. And then they show a picture of her father, who's deceased. And it was the juxtaposition of those two things was so... I couldn't... Uh, Again, I couldn't find my footing because it was like, we're showing the cartoon magnet and then we're showing the father a picture. I, I think it was the father. I mean, I assume it was a dramatic photo. May he rest in peace. And of course, one of the storylines is how Lisa Barlow had tweeted out obituary, which have we even talked about that this episode? I mean, I know we talked about that last week, but like, what the fuck? It's all fucking nuts. And so 
we're seeing these two next to each other. And it was so it's such a weird, strange editorial choice. And I get that we got to get creative on these shows, but it was just to see the cartoon magnet and then to see that dramatic photo of the father who one of the storylines on this show is about his, uh, <sighs> what is this show? It's just so insane. Every episode, every scene is more insane than the last. And Whitney comes over and Heather says, Whitney's mad at Heather because Heather didn't know that the husband got fired. And Heather's like, well, I didn't know. You didn't tell me. And she's, Whitney says, well, I wanted to call, but there was a disconnect between us. It's like, okay, well, then how is Heather supposed to know this shit? And then, <laughs> and then Heather, Heather says, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know there was a problem because at my choir auditions, you showed up in a full costume with a top hat stupid looking hat and did a full dance routine at my event so why would i think there's an issue why would i think that you did a choreographed dance at my event this whole this whole (laughs) it's all nuts whitney says heather's shutting down and i don't know none of it makes sense i don't understand what's happening in the scene i don't understand the fight between whitney and heather i don't get it and i don't think heather gets it either that's my take on it whitney says she was upset about the twitter thing that uh, about the obituary tweeting situation. And so she sticks up for Lisa and says like, Lisa was upset. And Heather's like, well, you should have my back on that. I don't know. Whitney says, we're not hearing Lisa's side. And then it's all, ex- I don't, I'm, I don't even know how to explain this scene. I just think Whitney's writing really hard for Lisa and I love Lisa too. And maybe I ride too hard for her sometimes too. So maybe I get Whitney Wild Rose in a way that uh, maybe I get her more than I think. But Whitney says she doesn't recognize Heather. Heather kicks Whitney out. I wish they would make up, though. What I really want to focus, though, on is Whitney Wild Rose's First Wives Club coat that she was walking out in. I mean, I love that fucking coat. That was a look. Whitney's stunning. Whitney Wild Rose is stunning. Stunning. And she walked out in that First Wives Club coat. Ugh. I loved it. It was giving me everything. But I don't like that Heather kicked out Whitney. I want them to work through the issue. That's what you're on the show for, Heather Gay. You cannot just kick people out of the house. And so, although I'm on your side with this, it, we can't just end scenes because we want to end scenes. You sit down until the, they say rap. <laughs> to one of those producers says, we took the camera off the scooter, we took the GoPro off the scooter, and we're going home. That's when you end the scene. And I felt like Heather ended on her own accord. And I didn't like that. And maybe they could have made up because I do think there was some part of Whitney that wanted to make up with Heather Gay. And so I just think they could have if Heather wouldn't have kicked her out. Next week on the show, Meredith is seems super happy, like a toe in her taint. She just had a smile on her face. We saw that scene in the coming attractions. There's a choir practice. Can't wait for that. Heather and Lisa chat. And then we get a cast trip to San Diego. And no one knows if Dana and Angie are coming. Which Angie's coming to the case? San Diego. Meanwhile, it's like, are we, no offense, but is this because of the legal situation? They can't go out of the country? No offense to San Diego. It's beautiful. And no offense to whatever that 1998 house they went to in Arizona was. Actually, I mean a little offense to that house because that was not a housewives cast trip. But we're going to San Diego. Can't we get them international? Like, let's go somewhere. Was it because of COVID or was it because of Jen Shah's legal drama? I'm not sure. But I just wish we were getting a more luxurious, glamorous vacation out of the country. And it seems like we're not. And so I'm concerned about that. And I'm uh, upset about that. But it looks like we have a lot to look forward to. Very excited about another cast trip, even though it is just in the country. And I like to see out of the country, too, because I want to see a new location that I'm not familiar with. Like I mentioned the White Lotus season two, I love seeing Italy and just seeing the sights and stuff like that. So I'm not sure that I need to see uh, San Diego, which is a beautiful place, but I don't know, maybe I'm nitpicking there. Remember on The Real House of New York when I was making fun of that Salem trip? You guys got so mad at me. Oh, I took a lot of heat for that. <laughs> which Salem's a beautiful place. It was just my problem was the claustrophobia in that hotel they stayed in. Anyway, that's The Real House of Salt Lake City. Stupid looking hat. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that 
thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now, Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now, Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com. All right, The Real Houses of Potomac, I do have a few thoughts. I know we didn't get to recap it in full last week, but I have some bullet points I want to hit on this week. And I want to apologize. I know we aren't diving in fully to The Real Houses of Potomac, and I'm trying my best to keep up with all of this, but it's hard. Life is hard. Lots getting in the way, but we are doing our best. And honestly, I encourage you all, as you go about your days, to just do your best. Do the best that you can, where it's all we can do. Anyway, The Real Houses of Potomac. Now, I want to really touch on the Ashley and Candace of it all. Now, I was so excited last week when they were seemingly friends. They were in each other's homes and not throwing silverware at each other. So the fact that it went left so quickly, I was thinking we were going to get a full season of Ashley and Candace as friends, as hitting the town together. And now that has all gone left at the end of this episode. When these rumors are brought up, Candace says something about Demon Darby hooking up with some guy. And there are all these rumors because they bleeped out something at the end. But there are rumors online about who that person is. Now, also, Ashley is accusing Chris. And I feel bad for Chris of everything that's going on on this show. And I'm honestly on Team Candace this season. That's where I'm falling. Because I feel bad. She's just trying to hustle. She's trying to drive back into the studio. And she's trying to drive back into the hearts of millions and listen to who listen to her music because I think Candace does not deserve what she's getting this season from all of these gals. They're all going after the husband. And I'm okay with going after the husband, but in this case, I don't feel like it's warranted. I keep going back to that Mia thing where she keeps saying Chris was looking at her funny at that spring party. And it's like they show us time and time again, which leads me to believe that the editors believe that Chris is completely innocent. Otherwise, they wouldn't show us that footage more than once. It happened again this past week. So one time I could see the editors maybe throwing that in there as a joke, but they wouldn't show us again unless the editors also believed that Chris was innocent. That's my take on it. And maybe that's completely off base. And I'm not saying that people can't feel uncomfortable by him. I'm just saying, I think he's taken a lot and Candace has taken a lot. And you can see her, she's sort of, she's got so much going on in her life with the music where she's re-recording the album or doing some bonus tracks from the album. I don't know what the hell's going on with that. I will buy it though. I will stream it on Spotify. But she's trying her best to make uh, her career happen, and every single these one of these women is going after her. And so she does snap at the end of the episode and goes after Ashley. And does she hit below the belt? Yes, she certainly does. But all of these women accusing the husband, and so I feel bad for her. I feel bad for her. Uh, meanwhile, what else? We got Wendy feels very separate to me this whole season. It feels like she's on a completely different program. Even her scenes that she's had with Peter or with her husband. And I, maybe that's due to the location. I think it was alleged that she lives like an hour away from the rest of the women. But I'm really feeling a distance between Wendy. And she does try to bring all the women together at a winery, which I love that they were like, oh, last time we were at a winery. I love when they have to tie it back. on <laughs> Like they got to tie it back to something that happened another time because they... They have a real loose thread. They were like, last time this group got together at a winery, and they just do that so that they could show the footage. They want to show the footage of the Monique and Candace fight at that barn, uh, justice for producer James. But they want to show that footage. So I always imagine a producer or somebody coming into the confessional room and being like, okay, can you say this line? <laughs> then they make the house they say some line about like, last time we were at a winery, things went left quick. And they got to tie it back to that previous fight so that they could show the footage in a flashback. Oh, I love that. I love it when they do that. Love it. Anyway, they go to this winery and it doesn't go as left as it did last time. I mean, there's no physical stuff happening, but there is a fight that erupts and we get an end of the episode. And it feels like every week we're ending with to be continues. I don't remember if this was to be continued, but it felt spiritually like it was to be continued because we ended in the middle of that fight. And I want to know what happens between them. Uh, I want to know what's going on. 
between Candace and Ashley. And I just want those two gals to get it together. And I want them to be friends. I want them to be friends. They should certainly come together. I think that Ashley was the one who leaked the information to the press about her uh, dissolved marriage with Demon Darby. I think she was pretending like, oh, we did this joint statement together. And then accidentally it was leaked. And I feel for certain, allegedly, my opinion in my gut, my gut is telling me that Ashley and the publicists were like, oh, we should leak this early. Because if you notice, like everyone was on Ashley's side. So that was actually a smart PR move to leak it early because the whole internet, and they showed the tweets up on the screen this past week of the whole internet being like, so glad you got away from that demon. (laughs) Which is so funny. Everyone was just like, glad you got rid of him, that dead weight. And they showed like a million fucking tweets on the screen. Bravo just compiled. I just imagine also them compiling all them tweets, which is everybody saying like, what an asshole that guy was. Good job, Ash. So they finally, uh, she finally got rid of him, but I think she leaked the information. And then she's on screen being like, I can't believe somebody leaked it early. And I was like, Ashley, I can't believe you leaked it early. Smart thing to do. But Demon Darby, he ran, we're not even seeing him. He's playing such a big role in the season. We haven't seen him that one time other than in a flashback. But he, this is shocking. This was one of the most shocking things that I have heard on this screen. He went to Vegas immediately following his vasectomy. How many people were scared? Me too. I was really, really scared. When Ashley revealed that little nugget of information, whoo! I mean, he had barely recovered from the vasectomy and went off to Vegas. I'm not sure. I, I don't know that maybe a doctor out there can let me know. I'm not sure if there's any hard and fast rules, but I usually think after surgery, you need to wait like at least a week or two. And she said he went off to Vegas after two days or something after his vasectomy. Now, again, I don't know the logistics of how vasectomy works. I know it's a surgery, though. So I'd imagine maybe you shouldn't be uh, allegedly fucking hookers in Vegas right immediately following a surgery. Maybe you call me crazy. Maybe I'm wrong. Even if the doctor says oftentimes that you can get back to normal activity, which for Michael Darby, normal activity, allegedly, I believe, is hooking up with random people in different cities. And so I just don't know if that's what you should be doing in not – weeks, but days after following a vasectomy. And he seemed to be so excited to get to Vegas to be able to, I guess the term is sow his oats, which is a gross thing, gross thing to say. I don't know. He's going to get some foots in the taints. Catch me up without your toe in my butt. <laughs> Everything on this podcast is alleged. We don't want to get in trouble. But I don't think he's doing, I don't think he's just going to see a show in Vegas. He's not there to see Donnie and Marie, Right. He's there to be hooking up with people uh, of all genders, it seems, and good for that. But I'm just saying right after vasectomy, he's not the healthiest time. Okay, maybe he should get a ticket to the Donnie and Marie show. Go see O. Go see Cirque du Soleil. See some people doing some gymnastics. I Last time I was in Vegas for my brother's birthday, we went to see one of them Cirque du Soleil shows. They're boring as hell, but they keep you out of the casinos. And they keep you out of doing bad things in Vegas. So I think he should maybe get some tickets to go see someone. I don't know, Boys to Men maybe still performing there. They're a great show. Go see something. Get a ticket to the show. Go see Magic Mike. I'm sure Michael Darby would love to see Magic Mike live. Go to that show, right? You can get you can get your rocks off in the audience without actually having to physically exert yourself immediately following a vasectomy. It's just something that I, I don't understand. Anyway. Demon Darby, I wonder if we're ever going to see him this season in person or if they're just going to talk about him every single episode. Every single episode. Now, the end of the episode also has Robin and Jizz after Wendy. And Robin was lying about this, these editors. I said this online. The editors are really the eighth housewife this season because they just keep flashing back, showing the receipts. And on all the franchises, they do this. But I've never seen anything quite like this season of The Real House of Potomac because these editors are so on top of their game. So on top of it that every single thing these women say, if it's contradictory to something that they actually did, the editors are showing it. They're rolling back the footage. We saw it with the Wendy hot mic moment. Now we're seeing it with Robin said she didn't have anyone. Sharice didn't have to put a hand on her. And then they show us the footage of Sharice having to stand up and uh, hold Dr. or hold um, Robin down against Dr. Wendy. And it didn't look, I don't think that Robin ultimately was going to have to do something, but Therese definitely did have to put the hands on. And I didn't understand how Robin was like, oh, I'm going to call Sharice. It's like, first of all, why isn't Sharice just at the winery with them? Is she in the cast or not? What's going on with Sharice? I'm not quite clear as to her role this season. I know she's a friend of, but then invite her to the winery. Because as it stands, Robin's just calling her. And then I do believe that Robin was like, hey, Sharice, I'm going to call you, defend me. (laughs) 
And so I think that was pre-planned. But they, I wish that Robin, I'd like to see Robin and Wendy become a dynamic duo. I'd like to see those two. But Wendy, just not, she's, uh, what did she say? Oil and vinegar in the show, she said, instead of oil and water. But her and Robin and Giselle, they're just not going to get along. It's just seemingly not going to happen. So I hope all of them get along. And then I hope they don't, because otherwise, what are we watching? Ladies, am I right? Thank you so much for listening to this show. We'll try to cover Potomac, uh, the upcoming episode next week. But for now, I thank you and I bid you adieu. As always, you can find me on social media. Also, I want to let you know that we're doing bonus episodes over on the Patreon feed. I do one per month. I recap Sex in the City from the beginning. If you're interested, just go to patreon.com slash everything iconic, and you can donate $4 more per month, get access to the bonus episodes, but more importantly, helps to support this show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anything else? Thank you to Acast. And we'll be back next week. We got some great guests coming up as well as keeping up with the recaps. I'm going to do my best to keep up with the recaps again. But we might miss some in the coming weeks because it's holidays. Holiday season. Speaking of, you can also listen to my holiday podcast. It's called The Very Merry Iconic Podcast, where I recap Christmas movies. And we just put out one of my favorite episodes we've done, where we cover the Santa Claus trilogy. We cover the Santa Claus trilogy. It's really fun. Love you all so much for listening. Let's do our cheesy little cool down. Take a deep breath in. And hold it. Breathe out. Let's take another deep breath in. Hold it. It's the holiday season. Breathe out. I've started listening to my holiday music. I don't care who knows it. <laughs> I don't care who knows it. I love it. I love it. I'm away in a, I'm away in a manger listening. Love you all so much for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>